You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. All right, guys, James chapter 2, as Stan said. So we're uh, go ahead and turn there if you would. If you don't have a Bible, um, as we always say here, uh, we would like to get you a Bible. We want everybody to have a Bible. So we have Bibles out um, at what we call Info Central, that big sign that you might have saw before you were walking in here. And we have, we have more information, too. If you're a visitor here, we'd love to let you know more about who we are as a church and, and what we're about. We've got youth group and different things coming up. And just, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into all that because we have, we have a lot of work to do this morning. So James chapter 2, what we do as a church is we, we typically take one book of the Bible and we walk through it, um, sometimes small pieces, sometimes bigger chunks. We are taking a slow walk through the book of James because right now we're only halfway through chapter 2. We've been in this book for a little while now. And, and the question that James offers up this morning is what kind of faith saves it's, it seems like that's, that's the question he gives. What kind of faith saves? In, in fact, in verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? He says, can that faith save? We, we know that as believers, as people who love Jesus, people who follow Jesus, I hope, my prayer is, and, and in fact, what I've been praying all this week, is that we would know that we are saved by faith. It's because of grace. In Ephesians 2, 8, it says we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We, it, we don't do anything to make ourselves right before God. We don't do anything. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to make your sin go away before a holy, perfect God. It is only through faith. And yet James says, he, he asks the question, can that faith save? So it seems like what he's saying is that there's a type of faith that doesn't save. And, and the question this morning is, what kind of faith do you have? It reminds me of going like grocery shopping. I, I hate going grocery shopping. I just, I hate grocery stores. Some people love grocery shopping. My wife loves grocery shopping. She thinks it's therapeutic. I just, it's the opposite for me. Like lots of times when I go into a grocery store, even if I have a list, like I got, like to go in, conquer, kill, take, you know, like, oh, meat, take it out. You know, it's like you, one thing, there's, I, I got it, and I go. That's what I like to do with grocery shopping. But, but what happens every time I go into a grocery store is I walk, seems like endless, like eternity. I believe hell will be like Aldi for eternity. <laughs> not, not because I don't like Aldi, but because, like going into, that's not theological. Don't be like, I visited Anthem, and they, that's not, no. But but walking around a grocery store continuously trying to find what, what's on my list, it's just maddening. And, and there's been times before, especially if I'm looking for something like gluten-free cornbread. And you're like, gluten-free, why would anybody buy that? We do. We buy that because gluten-free, all that. But, but like, I, I remember one time I found it after, after endlessly searching. It, it was like finding the Holy Grail, you know. And find it on some obscure end cap and you get it and, you, and it's like, oh. The clouds open and the sun comes down, and you know I paraded it all through High V, and you know it's like I have found it, declaring, and and then uh, and then I pay for it and I get it home and I you know bring it in like a superhero and I sit it down, only to figure out that not only is there such a thing as gluten-free cornbread mix, but there's multiple types of gluten-free cornbread mix, and I had bought the wrong one and I paid more than I should have, for, and all these different things. It's like ah, I'm done. I don't want to go into a grocery store anymore, but. 
when we read James and when we see he asks the question, can that faith save him? In my mind, the question is, okay, what, what kind of faith is he talking about? What kind of faith? And, and, and the follow-up question is, what kind of faith do I have? What kind of faith do we have as a church? Is it the kind of faith that saves? Let's, let's pray, and then we're going to read through this. God, I praise you, and I thank you for your goodness. I praise you for the fact that you have done a work and that we are saved by faith in that work. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to the truth that you would have us hear from your word this morning. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Um, as, as flawed as I am, speak through me, God, and help us to hear you. And it's in your name. Amen. Again, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. Be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Let's stop there. He's saying, look, faith without works is what? Dead. Right. You guys are good. Faith without works is dead. It's, it's basically, he's saying, it's kind of like good intentions without actions. And if you've ever thought about buying your wife or your girlfriend or your significant other a really awesome anniversary present, if you've thought about that, and then you didn't actually do it, but then you proceeded to tell your wife or your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other about the awesome gift that you thought about giving them, you know the truth of what James is talking about here, right? That good intentions without actions is meaningless. It's dead. You might as well just not even mention that you thought about doing it. It's, it's dead. And, and the kind of works that he's talking about, we see earlier on in, in chapter 2. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go online, listen to Stan's message. talked about uh, uh, showing partiality. And in, in the beginning of chapter 2, it talks about the, the law of, of God. That we should love others as we love ourselves. The works that, that James is referring to is he's talking about the works that, that, that lead us to love God and others. It's the same thing Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. What's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. The guy was probably like, okay, one would have been great. I didn't ask for two. That's extra credit. But, but God, Jesus was saying, look, no, the, the second comes out of the first. The work that James is saying has to accompany faith is loving others. And he uses this example. And he says, if somebody comes into your, into your meeting place, if somebody comes into our church, if somebody comes into Anthem poorly dressed, and he's not talking about clothes from goodwill, like, I, I've got those. those I, he's not talking about clothes from goodwill. He's talking about they don't even have the clothes they need to survive. You can see them. You can see their lack. You can see their need. And, and if they come in and it says that they're, they're lacking in daily food, like this, is a need, this isn't a need that's like, I, I don't know how to pay for my next iPhone upgrade. This is, a, this is a need that says, I don't know how I'm going to make it through today. I, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. And he's saying, if you come into church and, and you're an attender and you like to, like to play church, and, and, and he, he uses a common phrase in this day, a common greeting. He says, if you say, go in peace, be warm and filled. This is a greeting like we would say this man. Maybe you've said this this morning. Like, hey, how's it going? I, I said that this morning to a guy walking down the street. He's like, hey, how's it going? 
I, I didn't, I wasn't asking really how is it going, right? I, that's a common greeting. Have you, ever, have you ever had somebody ask you and you're just, in a, you're just having a really hard day? Somebody says, hey, how's it going? And you're like, not good. This, this is going on and I'm struggling with this and this. And, and then they're just like, oh, uh, I, yeah, yeah, like you catch them. It's like you didn't really want to know, right? You, you didn't want to know. See, see James is saying that is, that's that kind of faith. Faith without works is like good intentions without actions. It's just saying meaningless words. It's coming into, into church week after week, seeing people but not seeing people. Saying that, that we love God, but that love for God doesn't translate into love for people. It's, it's useless. He says it's dead. He goes on to say in verse, verse 18, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See, what he's, he's doing is he's saying, you might, this might be an argument out there. Whoa. This might be an argument out there. I'm getting too active. This might be an argument out there. You might say, oh, I've got faith. You've got works. This person has this. That person has that. But, but they're not really together, right? That, I mean, one doesn't flow. You know, you can have one, but not the other. And he's saying, no, here's the reality. Just like good intentions without actions are dead, Good works, it's like, a, it's like apples on an apple tree, right? Brant was talking about this in our connection group this past week, which if you're not in a connection group and you're a part of our church, go to Info Central. That's all I'll say about connection group. But Brant in connection group this past week was talking about how it's like, like apples on an apple tree. Nobody is surprised when they see apples on an apple tree, right? Nobody. It's not like tinsel on a Christmas tree where you're like, oh, you went with that. Oh, okay, that's... One way to decorate a Christmas tree, which I love tinsel on a Christmas tree, but some people say, no, it's gaudy and it gets in the, in the vacuum sweeper and we shouldn't put tinsel on a Christmas tree. But that's okay. I'm not bitter, right? But, but when you see apples on an apple tree, it's not like, oh, you've decided to go with that. No, apples are a, are a direct result of what the tree is. Right? The, the only way, that, in fact, the only way I know what an apple tree is is because it has apples, that's, that's the only, see, it's not a direct result. You never, it, it's, not, it's not addition to, you never see an apple tree sweating, hoping that, that the apples will come out. In fact, it, when people see an apple tree and there's not apples on it, they make excuses as to why there's not apples on an apple tree, right? Like they, they say, well, it's not the right season, or, or we're doing something different, or that was just planted, or it takes years to do this or, or that. But there's, there's always excuses as to why there's no apples on an apple tree, because apples are a direct result of what the tree is. And in the same way, James is saying works are a direct result of the faith that we have in God that leads us to love God and love others. In fact, I was talking to my wife the other day, and she was saying, you know, the, the purpose of an apple tree is to produce apples. Other trees can produce leaves. Other trees can produce shade. Other trees have the potential to do what a tree does, which I don't know. I guess I, don't, I can't think of anything else. But, but apple trees, they're, they're, they're whole, the whole meaning behind them is to produce apples. And in the same way, our purpose as Christians, as followers of God, as people who point people back to God, is to say, look, I love God. And you know what that means? Is I love you because God loves you and God loves me. 
It's a direct result, and he's saying you can't separate those two things. It's a direct result. In fact, it's, uh, again, talking to my wife, she's, she's awesome, and she's super smart. She's a counselor, and she was talking about how the reality is our, our actions are a direct result of our beliefs. Right? If, if, I, um, if I take this chair, there's always empty chairs in the front. If I take this chair, thank you, sir. If I take this chair, and you see me, you see me approaching a chair, and, and I approach that chair like this, Like, like timid, you know, like, uh, you know, like I circle around it. And what would you think about me other than I'm crazy, right? What would you, what would you think? If, you would think that I have a, maybe a messed up relationship with chairs, right? <laughs> maybe you would think that I have something in my past that would make me think that this chair, which is made of steel, I guess, like that, that this chair isn't going to hold me. And every time I approach a chair that that I do it the same way, you would think that there's something messed up in my past and my core beliefs about that chair, right? See, in reality, what James is saying is that if your life isn't producing works that are in, in accordance with the love that you say you have for God, if it doesn't produce works that, that are, express themselves in love for people, then we can look at your actions and say, hey, maybe, maybe there's something off about your beliefs about who God is and who you are in Christ. Maybe there's something messed up there. Maybe there's something off there. Let's, let's talk about why you can't sit in a chair confidently. Let's talk about why, why when you approach that chair, there's, there's trepidation. You don't know. I've been hurt before. I've been let down before. I've been, I've been dropped before. I, I've, I've, I've had to go to the chiropractor before because this chair that didn't hold me up. And you say, okay, then you don't know who God is. Because if you did, your actions would look different, right? He's saying you can't separate those two. If, if I will show you my works. And see, I think the, the, one of the confusing things about this is that oftentimes works can exist apart from faith. Like, it it feels legalistic at times to say, I'm going to put this back. It feels legalistic at times to say, well, don't tell me I don't have faith. Let me show you what I'm doing. That feels legalistic, and we don't want to to fall into that trap. We don't want to fall into that. See, um, when I was a kid, when I, I... have all these props. When I was a kid, um, my mom, I was a part of this thing called Kids of the Kingdom in church. And I'm going to put these on. Um, I don't know if that'll fit me anymore. But uh, I I was a part of this. uh, I was a part of this thing called Kids of the Kingdom. And and I was was one of those kids, right, that uh, I was much smaller back then. And I, I went to church, like, all the time. I was in church. This one's bigger. I was in church all the time, and, and I, got these, I got these badges, and yes, they're homemade because my mom made them. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I had these badges, and, and like one says memory work, not 89 to 90, and one says bonus material. I don't know what that was. Some says a lot of these say memory work. This, I don't know if you can see this. This is gold. It has a lot of attachments to it. This is my pride and joy. This was my attendance, right? Uh, it says third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, and there's even room for more. I don't know how much further you can go, but I had all these different things, and I would, I would walk around, you know, like the, I was that kid. I'd show off my badges and say, see this? And my mom would put these on. <laughs> But the 
reality was, no matter how many badges I had, no matter, no matter how good my sash looked, when it came time for me to decide whether or not I was going to actually follow God into junior high and high school, it wasn't your will be done, God, it was my will be done. And all of these badges and all of these sashes and all of these things, all it was was just empty knowledge. Because it didn't lead me to love God more. It didn't lead me to love people more. It didn't lead me to works in keeping with my faith. It led me to follow my own way, my own path, my own things into destruction. And, and Paul goes, or James goes on to talk about this in, in verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He says, look, the Shema, what even... Uh, Stan read earlier when we were dedicating kids, the Shema is this statement that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And he's saying, you believe that? The Shema was like the foundational prayer of Jewish people, of Christians of this time. Everybody knew this prayer. Everybody knew it. Everybody said it. And he's saying, that's awesome. That's awesome that you have those badges on your chest. That's awesome that you have that knowledge. That's awesome that you have up to year seven on, pinned on your chest. That's great. You know who else knows all that stuff? Yeah, the demons know all that too. The demons know that and they shudder. You see, the demons have a better theology. The demons have a better understanding of who God is than I would say all of us in here. Because when, when we see Jesus interacting with the demonic forces in the New Testament, they knew who he was. They would say, oh, what do you want with us, son of God? They knew who he was, and, and they shuddered, it says. It's just like the hyenas in the Lion King, right? When, when it says, oh, Mufasa, now there's a name. There, there's power in that name. Remember that, Remember that scene? I, I'm dating myself. You guys have seen Lion King, right? Homework, go home today, watch Lion King. Um, it's gospel. Um, you, you see, they, they're, they're like, oh, Mufasa, there's power in that name. Every time I hear the name, it makes me, makes me tremble, makes me shudder. And he says, Mufasa. And she's like, ugh. <laughs> and said, do it again. Mufasa, ooh, you know, right? And see, there's this understanding. The hyenas recognize the power in the name Mufasa. But even all their understanding, even all the badges on their chest, it didn't lead them to submit their lives to him. It didn't lead them to surrender to him. It didn't lead them to salvation. In fact, it led them to rebellion and destruction. See, works can exist apart from faith, but faith cannot exist apart from works. Understanding, having that wisdom, having all the badges on your chest, knowing the right things, being in the right place... That kind of faith is dead. Intellectual faith. Intellectual faith without action, saying that you know all the right things, but it doesn't lead you to love God. It doesn't lead you to love others. It, just, it doesn't lead you to see the needs of others. You just, you just, hey, be well. How you doing? Have a great day. You just go, go on with your life. That is dead faith. It's not faith that saves he. Uh, this theologian um, named Mitten, I think I have it up on the screen, he says, it's a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is unsatisfactory unless that good theology also possesses us. It's a good thing to possess accurate theology, but it's unsatisfactory unless that theology, that understanding of God, also possesses us. In fact, Jesus says it this way in John three thirty six. 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus himself says, look, belief and obedience are interchangeable. Your works will show who you are, what you are, what you believe. They will show that. So do you have the kind of faith that saves do you have the kind of faith that leads to works? See, believing God has power is accurate. Surrendering to that power brings salvation. Amen? Believing doesn't do anything if it's not followed up with works. Verse 20, he goes on to say, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He, he literally, he's, he's saying, look, you, you need more. You want me to say more about this? He says, he says, literally saying, faith without works is faith that doesn't work. Faith without works is faith that doesn't work. It's just empty badges on your chest. He says, but you need to know more? All right, verse 21. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scriptures was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. He says, you need more? Okay, fine. Abraham. Mic drop. To, to a Jewish audience, Abraham, that's, that's the ultimate trump card. And he's saying, I right, look at Abraham. Look at what we see there. He says in verse 21, was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now, what he's, what he's talking about is in Genesis 22. It's, I have it up on the screen, but we don't have time to, to really dig into it. But Genesis 22, it talks about how Abraham was told by God, he says, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, take him up on a mountain that I'll show you, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want you to sacrifice him to me. See, this is the son that Abraham had been waiting for, the son that God had promised Abraham, and, and he'd been waiting for 70-some years. Abraham had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this, for this son, and, and year after year he kept getting older, and the promise seemed more impossible and more impossible, and yet one day his wife became pregnant when there was no reason she should have been pregnant. She was way too old for that, and yet she became pregnant. He had a son, and then God said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to take that son, that son that I promised you, and I want you to take him up, and I want you to, to sacrifice him to me. And he, he did it. He, he took his son up on a mountain. And Genesis 22, 11 through 12, as Abraham raised the knife to plunge it into his son, says this, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him, to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. In Hebrews 11, it says that this was, this was a test. God tested Abraham's faith, and, and we see by the test, by what Abraham did, we see what Abraham believed. Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead if, if, if that's what he wanted. Abraham believed that, and so his actions showed that, and yet what we see in verse 24, it, that's where we have problems with this because verse 24 says you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, which seems to be in contradiction to what Paul says in Romans. In Romans 3.28, it says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, so what do we do with that? We, we're talking about the fact that our faith is worked out and works, and that's, that's what, that kind of faith is the, the kind of faith that saves. But how does that, how does that compare? And I think to, to understand that, we need to understand what it means to be justified. 
Because justified is a word that can have a couple different meanings. One, one meaning of the word justified means to render righteous or such he ought to be. To render righteous it means to make something into something. To make righteous. The other meaning of justified, another meaning of it is to show, exhibit, or evidence one to be righteous such as he is and wishes himself to be considered. To show, to evidence, to, to reveal what is underneath, to, to say, oh, there's apples, that must be an apple tree. It's to show, and it's that meaning over and over we see throughout the Old Testament where people are declared righteous by what they did, which was a test of who they were. See, this is, this is the meaning of, that James is applying to this word justified. Paul looks at it and he says, he says look, we are not saved by what we do. We're not justified. We're not made right by what we do. He says that in, in, uh, in Romans. He talks about that. We're not going to look at that quote either. But he, he talks about how faith that saves is, is faith alone in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And yet the, the popular saying is that faith alone saves, but faith that saves is never alone. And that's what James is talking about. He's talking about we are justified. It's shown what's in us. It's a litmus test that shows what's actually in us when we follow out our faith with works. When we say, I love God, and therefore I love people. Therefore I see the needs of people. Therefore I'm I'm interacting. Therefore I'm not just attending. I'm not just an attender, but I'm in this. I'm with this. You see, there is no work that can make us righteous before God. There's nothing you can do that makes us righteous before God. It is only faith. In the finished work of Jesus. And it's that kind of faith that results in works. It's that kind of faith that saves. See, James talks about this faith. Our, our faith is completed by works. And it's the same thing that, that Paul says in Galatians 5, 6. Where he shows more of his understanding when he's talking about Abraham. And he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. He's talking about the, the things you do according to the law. He says, that doesn't count for anything. It doesn't do anything for you, he says, but only faith working through what? You see it up there? Faith working through love. He says, faith saves, but it's faith that works through love. We are justified by faith, but our faith is justified by works. It's shown through our works, through what we do. See, that's what he, he says, that's Abraham. What do you think? But then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says in verse 25, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. See, he, he uses Abraham, this drop mic. Abraham was this, the, the patriarch of the Jewish faith. Everybody knew the, the Pharisees, the religious rulers of, of the day, they would say, well, we're good because we're with Abraham. We're children of Abraham, so we're good by association. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. But we, we know that Abraham, he had this interaction with God. He heard God. We, we sing songs about Abraham. Like if you grew up in the church like me with my badges, you know, it's, can you imagine me as a little kid with these? Like, Father Abraham had many sons, right? Many sons. I'd ask you to sing along, but we don't have time, right? We, you, I never lasted till the end, right? Turn around, sit down. I never lasted till I was like, I'm tired of swinging my arms. I know Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. But can I just be done, right? But... We sing songs about Abraham. But I don't know about you. I grew up in church. I never sang any songs about Rahab the prostitute. 
That would be a different kind of song altogether, right? Why does, why does, why does James go there? And I think it's because Father Abraham, yeah, yeah, he knew God. He had all this interaction with God. He had all this, this wisdom, this past with God. What did Rahab have? She was a Gentile. She was, she was a Canaanite. She, she didn't know anything about God except for what she had heard that God did in Egypt. She didn't know anything about God but what she had heard about God doing in the wilderness. And now, now the people of God are on their doorsteps, and she realizes that she is in opposition. The people that she's a part of, the groups that she runs with, she is in opposition to what she's heard about that God. And, and not only that, not only is she an enemy of God by, by association, by her people, but by, also by profession. And, and guys, nobody, no little girl decides like, you know what I want to be someday? I want to be a prostitute when I grow up. I don't think any little girl decides that it's only through, through evil, demonic actions that lead people to a place where they find themselves having to be in a, in a profession like that. And here we see Rahab, a person who is, who is destitute, who is the least of these, saying, you know what, I don't know, I don't know anything about your God except what I've heard, but what I've heard leads me to say, I want to take a step of obedience. Yes, I'm a prostitute. Yes, my, my past is this. Yes, I have been used and I have been neglected and I have been cast aside. And yet what I see in your God is something different and something more and something better. And so what I know I'm going to obey, even though I don't know what's going to come after that. Even though I don't know, God, God, like, I see you, I see your people, but I don't know what you're going to ask of me, but, but I'm going to take this step. I'm going to take this, this one step. You see, guys, I believe that our faith, the effectiveness of our faith, has more to do with our willingness to obey God than it does with our knowledge about God. We come in every Sunday and we learn more about God, and yet oftentimes it doesn't lead us to love people more. It just leads us to know more about God. That's not faith that saves. That's demonic faith that says, yeah, I know God is one. <laughs> You shudder, you know the right things, and you know you should react a certain way. But when it comes down to it, it's just lip service. It's just empty knowledge. It's emptiness. He, he actually says in the end of that, he says, faith without works is dead. Just, just in case you missed it. See, even somebody like Rahab, who doesn't know anything, her faith is living even though she doesn't have the badges, even though she doesn't have the history, even though she has a messed up past, her step of obedience is a step into salvation. Guys, what, what is our faith? Where are we as a church? Where are you? What kind of faith do you have? He says, faith without works is dead. It's like when, when I went to my grandma's funeral. We've all been in those places, and you go to vi the visitation, which is visitation. That's a weird tradition. Can I just say that? That's a weird tradition. But we have this tradition where we walk by the casket and we look at the body and, and it's like, ah, that's, I mean, that's grandma, but it's not. Like, I remember just being like, man, it has the resemblance of grandma. But, I mean, she's kind of dressed up in grandma's clothes. She has grandma's glasses on. But it, she has the things that grandma likes around her. But James is saying there's, it's, it's not grandma. There's a change. It's, it's, it's messed up. There's, there's brokenness. It's not grandma. And he's saying, look, faith without works, faith that would say, I love God, but be warm. We'll see you later. Faith like that, he says, it's messed up. It's not right. It doesn't save you. See, guys, this morning, my prayer for Anthem Church, 
And you, if you're visiting, no matter where you're from, my prayer for you is that this place would not be a place full of dead people that come together every Saturday or every Sunday. I guess if we start Saturday, so I don't know. But every Sunday, maybe that's prophetic. Every Sunday, and we sing, as dead people, we sing right words, and we listen to teaching about right things, and we get filled up on right doctrine, but then we leave with the same faith that demons have, knowing more, but it doesn't save you. You still walk out into destruction. You're walking out in death because you're dead. And guys, instead, my prayer for us, my prayer for us is that we would be a place that is alive with good works because we are people who are alive with a faith in Jesus Christ that says, I love God, and that love for God, I don't... I don't know all that it's going to require of me. I don't know the next step. And yeah, I've got stuff in my past. But here's the step that God is asking me to take. It's to see the person next to me. It's to, it's to reach out in love. It's to, it's, to, it's to not just say, be warm and well-fed, but to say, hey, do you need a coat? Can I get you some food? My brother, my sister... I don't want to be just an attender. I want to be in. I want to be all in. And I believe it's when we are all in, we see the kind of faith that actually saves. Not only that, but other people see it too. When people look at an apple tree, they say, hey, I bet that's an apple tree. You know why? Because it's got apples. I want to be the kind of place where people come in and they say, I bet this is a place where they love God and love Jesus. You know why? Because they love me. I feel loved in this place. That's, that's what I want for us. And, and Anthem Church, we're going we're gonna to celebrate in just a few minutes with baptism. But what we're going to do before that is we're going to take communion. And there's communion tables set up around the room. We do this almost every Sunday. There's communion tables set up around the room. There's gluten-free. And I think the front corner and the back corner, if you need that. And as we go... The, the worship band, they're going to come up. You see them moving around already. The worship band, they're going to come up, and they're going to sing. They're going to lead us in some worship. And I'm going to ask you guys to remain seated. And what we're going to do is, is, as they lead us in worship, whenever you're ready, we're going to get up, and we're going to go to the communion tables. And as you, take off, as you tear off a piece of bread, which represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you on the cross, and you dip it in the, in the cup that represents the blood of Christ, the juice that represents the blood of Christ, which was poured out for you. My prayer for you is that you would be challenged and you would say, God, what kind of faith do I have? What, where are my works? Where's my fruit? What, what am I producing? What, what, what do I have? And, and maybe God is asking you to take a step and you don't know, you don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know if you should. You don't, like you have all this stuff in your past like Rahab, but, but God is asking you, he's saying, hey, would you just obey me? Because it's so much more about you obeying me than you knowing more about me. I want us to know more, but we need to step out in obedience because we are so fat with knowledge. As Christians. So as you go to the communion tables this morning, my prayer for you is that you would ask yourself, God, what kind of faith do I have? And if you realize that your faith is lacking, you would use this time to repent. Repent of your inactivity. Repent of your, of your comfort. Repent of your, your just, hey, be warm and well-fed. Repent. And use this morning as an opportunity to say, God, I don't know what step you want me to take next. 
but I'm gonna take it. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, God. I'm gonna pray for us. God, I, I praise you and I thank you for your goodness to us. I praise you for the fact that, that like Rahab, God, my past is so messed up. I have so many things in my past. And yet, God, you showed me yourself. And God, you, you don't require perfection of me. You just require progress. And so this morning, as, as I say, God, I do not do this perfectly, but I want to. I want to, I want to love you more, God, and I want that to be expressed through love for other people. And I know I don't do that well, but God, help me. I need you. I need your help. I surrender my life to you. I don't want to just understand more about you, God, but I want to experience more about you, God. And so as I take communion this morning, God, help it not to be an intellectual activity, but help it to be where, where my mind and my heart and everything about me is engaged. And God, whatever you would have me do, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be because I want to be a person who has living faith. I want to be a person that has fruit because, God, there are people around me who need to see the faith that you produce, people that need to see the love that you produce. Praise you, God, and I thank you. It's in your name. Amen. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and stand up. We're going to take communion. When you come back together, we're going to worship together. Go ahead and stay standing, and then we're going to celebrate baptism. So whenever you're ready.